What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and the Collective Experience. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line. The sole proprietor of this Collective Experience himself goes by the name of Dave Drakes. Dave, Dave how's it going? Pretty good, Brad. Uh, just came off of a pretty cool trip out, uh, out to my uh, home track, quote-unquote Southwick. Had a great weekend, saw some great racing, and I'm chomping at the bit to talk about it there you go yeah you actually went to a race between the two of us has been uh, we're in the single digits as far as races gone to since about uh mid-may so uh that that's a bummer but uh between the two of us might go to a few more races in the next little while here you're i think you're going you're uh, making the trek again this weekend going to uh to red but before we look forward to one of the best motocross tracks in in uh, American history. Let's talk about one of maybe the most iconic tracks in American motocross history. You went this weekend. Tell me a little bit about your experience going to Southwick. Like you said, a bit of a hometown race for you, and uh, it's all systems go. You got to enjoy it. Exactly. So yeah, uh, I mean, I'm from Connecticut, from the New England area. So Southwick is it's a staple in, in the way the motocross. That's like the holy grail. Everyone's ridden there. That was everyone's first race, and uh, I was super excited to get back. Uh, like you said, we haven't been to a race since uh, and it's Supercross, pretty much. So it's it's nice to be around the the usual crew, same sights and smells, and see all the uh, the cool bikes and some of the riders that we haven't seen um, outdoors yet. Uh, but it was overall a great weekend. I mean, a lot of a lot of fans turned out, a lot of entries. So uh, surprisingly, given the um, the the class uh, depth this year in the 450 class and the 250 class. So um, that was really really good to see. Really encouraging to see that you know fans and, and riders alike are still pulling out for that one. Um, but yeah, overall it was an awesome race weekend. Uh, some great racing. Uh, people were dicing it up, and uh, you know, typical Southwick fashion. I mean, a lot of surprises. For sure, and a rough national this last weekend. Uh, maybe a little bit rougher than we've seen it in the past. Uh, I think it, that was by design. But um, tell us how uh, your, your buddy uh, Brandon Shar did. Like, uh, obviously, he's a big part of the Collective Experience program. He's got riders that, or he's got fans that uh, 
kind of take him up on that experience uh, on almost like a weekly basis. Um, how was it checking in with him? And actually, uh, you guys were able to pull a name for uh, giving away some cash to a privateer that, uh, oh, they are, they, they more than deserve it. Oh, 100%. So uh, it was a less than stellar weekend for Brandon. I, this is probably his favorite check on the circuit, but uh, he was fighting bike issues all day. So his bike was cutting in and out, kind of sputtering and dying here and there. Uh, he actually had a pretty decent, um, pretty decent qualifying time, and um, looked like he was really going to make a run for it. He's sort of steadily progressing, and he's had to touch the top ten a few times this year. So I know he's looking to get, you know, maybe inside the top nine, top eight, possibly at a, at a rougher track where he kind of excels. Um, but yeah, it's it kind of a bummer to see that. Uh, you know, you hate to see private years come out and have you know all these bike issues, and you know they're already behind the eight ball in terms of funding and parts and that stuff. So um, you know, kind of kind of uh seven for a loop a little bit but um we you know we did have some redemption uh we did do the private life the next uh a hundred dollar drawing and he actually picked himself which it wasn't staged you know believe me uh but at least he walked away with a hundred dollars straight from my wallet and uh and um you know still was able to, to take some positives away you know he had a great city he had a great qualifying time he got more used to the bike um you know and red blood is you know Fairly, fairly uh, similar soil with some selection, so maybe we'll see him kind of click with that next week and kind of redeem himself a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, maybe a, a small hiccup in an otherwise impressive summer so far for Brandon. And uh, uh, for those who are interested in uh, taking him up on the, in a collective experience for a national near them, how do they go about doing so? And uh, and, and basically, what, what happens with that money uh, when people are paying it? Obviously, some goes to the, uh, the, the, the operations of the collective experience, but a lot of it goes towards these racers that uh, are in great need of it. Exactly. Uh, over 70% goes straight back to these privateers and these privateer teams. Um, that's that's one thing that we're really proud of. One thing that we wanted to center this whole program around was actually strengthening uh, the, the privateer programs and strengthening the sport as a whole from the bottom up. Um, so uh, a, a lot of a lot of these riders are very grateful every time a fan uh, signs up with them. They're just as excited to fan this because not only are they getting uh, you know, a large portion of money, but they're also making fans, and they, and they love that outreach, you know, making fans, uh, having fans tag them, another way for them to promote their own personal sponsors through giveaways. Uh, they really enjoy the attention. So, I mean, they're, they're fully focused on the fans throughout the day. Um, Brandon and his crew are just they're phenomenal, very, very friendly, very open. Um, they pretty much they, they put everything out there for you to see, and they make you really feel like family. Um, if anyone wants to sign up with Brandon, and we also have Henry Miller on the program, uh, it's very simple. Just go to thecollectivexp.com, click on the race you want to attend, click on the rider you want to shadow. One, two, three, it's simple. Um, if you have any questions at all, feel free to uh, hit us up at contact at thecollectivexp.com or on Instagram at thecollectivex. There you go, and I hope people do take you up on that. We plug it every show because I think it's a great program, and uh, it gives back to the community of motocross, especially in the privateer ranks, which uh, some of these guys uh, at one point, at some point, may very well be finding themselves themselves in a factory rig. In fact, you've had one guy like that, uh, Alex Ray, this past year, I believe he was, uh, or maybe he was last year, at part of the collective experience. This year, he's a full blown uh, uh, factory dude for about four races. This year which is pretty exciting exactly and that that's our goal our goal is to try to keep these guys funded and get them enough attention to to make that name for themselves where they do get picked up for a factory ride i mean i, I ideally you want to see every one of our riders advance to that next level through the help of fans through funding 
um, through them, you know, giving them attention and, uh, and, and added support. So uh, it's anything that we can do to help. Um, it's, it's definitely, definitely something that we're very interested in. And um, you actually helped out for Time of Your Life the next two, uh, didn't you, Brad? You uh, put up some money and uh, got your name up there, man. And I know they're, they were very, very grateful and, uh, and some, some good publicity for you as well. Absolutely, yes. $100 United, uh, U.S., which I believe is about $1,000 Canadian, uh, give or take, um, will go and be drawn uh, for the Bud's Creek National and uh, maybe looking to see if we can match that again uh, to do a- another giveaway like that. Just another way we able to uh, just give back to the motocross community. These guys, often I have privateers on here. They're nice enough to give me their time. And if I can uh, help them out uh, financially, that's a, a huge um, feel good moment for me, my friend. Uh, obviously, the privateerlife.mx, they do an awesome job giving these kids uh, the ability to have to connect with sponsors, some funding, as well as uh, it's also kind of like a, a social platform for, say, like a privateer that's going coast to coast looking for a, a couch to crash on or even a bed to crash on uh, as they're uh, out there on the road. Um, there's uh, there's allies out there, and uh, you can kind of make some connections through privateerlife.mx. But uh, people are, will most likely start to turn off this podcast if we don't start talking about Southwick, the race itself. Um, privateerlife.mx, privateerlife.mx, privateerlife.mx slash uh, collective experience times 10. Now we'll talk about uh, <laughs> Southwick just to get in those extra plugs in their FMF. Um, but the Kubota <laughs> Southwick FMF National 450 Collective Experience class results. The Frenchman out front. A one, a two-one beats a, a one-two in motocross, and uh, Marvin Muscan puts uh, a, a French rider up top. Uh, the national scene for the first time in goddamn, it's a good almost close to a year now. Uh, Got to feel good for Marvin. And uh, as, as fans out there, I think uh, some a little bit of parody and uh, the realization that um, Eli Tomac is in fact human is a positive thing for motocross. Exactly, yeah. It's about time. We were talking about Marvin getting the first win, you know, weeks ago. So I'm honestly a little shocked that it, that it took this long, you know, even, even with Eli riding as well as he is. You know, Marvin's still extremely talented, and you know he's capable of winning, winning one of these races. So um, it's it's great to see that he finally got one done. Uh, Eli, you kind of see it was maybe had his number a little bit through the weekend, but Marvin, being the crafty Frenchman, just made the very few mistakes. Um, you could you could see his lines were just superb, just bouncing and avoiding all of the rough stuff and almost manually and doubling things that other guys uh, weren't to really you know conserve energy and make sure his bike was tracking the right way and he wasn't getting. Uh, bogged down by the you know the, by the deep sand and the, this the the corner speed that he was exhibiting it was just uh, it was really really cool to watch him ride and and I think that that more meter and technical approach versus Eli's all out raw speed um, really did him well so uh, hopefully we can see more of this and uh, hopefully it gives Marvin a little bit of confidence he looked like he was kind of lacking the last couple of weeks um, except for the race he had in PA a few weeks ago. Um, so, I mean, hopefully we can keep this going. We can see those two dice it up even closer uh, and, and really make this thing something something more uh, exciting to watch. But congratulations to Marvin on, on his first run of the season, first overall, and let's hope that it uh, continues. 
Absolutely. Great to see close racing. Uh, obviously, uh, equally as impressive is when Eli Tomac can uh, put 45 seconds on the best racers in the world. But uh, like, it's always exciting to see a battle. And these guys are having to become very inventive in how they approach racing each other. Marvin and Eli are now becoming very familiar with each other. And um, that's actually something that uh, is, is kind of, in a lot of ways, um, hindrance to Eli in a lot of ways, or maybe like to both riders, as far as their ability to pass the other guy, because they've almost figured each other out so well that they're in each other's heads when it comes around to, to making passes. Like uh, it's not a guess as to where um, one or the other might go. Uh, I think they're they're all they're both completely in tune with riding defensively across, uh, against each other, and that's actually really exciting to watch because um, two guys that. Uh, like just kind of know which what what move the next guy is going to make is uh, is really kind of interesting to me. Is that kind of like the science behind dissecting uh, what the thought process is of the other guy? Kind of mind reading out there as uh, Marvin Moose can able to uh, make his bike pretty wide, especially in that first moto. Exactly, you can kind of see those guys thinking in their head as they're searching for lines and and looking at each other and watching each other. They're they're thinking, you know. If I'm Eli, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I know Marvin's going to go here three turns from now. It's by my best interest to set him up this way now or um, or vice versa. It's really, like you said, it's really cool to watch the way that those guys think and really dissect their racetrack and, and apply that to to getting around the guys in front of them. Um, it's almost reminiscent of what we saw with uh, Ricky and James in, like, what was that, like, 05, 06 shit? Um, 06, super, super high cool point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 06, high point. Yeah, those guys kind of. Uh, messing with each other a little bit, but it's also really cool to see the respect level between those two guys. So, um, you know, you know, they had their, their tussle at uh, Gillette um, earlier this season, uh, Supercross. It's um, it's good to see that they kind they raced together really close, but neither one of them is, you know, all out going to like take the other person out. They're not banging bars. They're not brain checking each other. Um, they're really riding, really really respectful. It's very very competitive. So, uh, you got to give it up to those guys. So that that's it's masterful riding. It's really we're getting to see a clinic every time those guys are together and um, like I said before let's just hope that they continue to dice it up both their confidence levels kind of raise a little bit we can see just just uh, non-stop battles in this, in this class and uh, make it a little bit more interesting for us Definitely. And uh, the fact that Marv hasn't had really one bad moto, obviously Eli hasn't had any bad motos, but uh, Marv has stayed within swinging distance every single round uh, and basically being one or two uh, or being at least the second best guy almost every single weekend other than maybe uh, Glenn Helen. Um, really kind of keeping this championship tight despite not winning a lot of races uh, and, and overalls. But, uh, and, and honestly, being the only other guy that's won a moto other than Eli, um, those two are, have kind of a, a table set for two for the rest of the season. But uh, this quietly uh, emerging third best guy of the year so far has become uh, Justin Barsha, a guy that uh, a lot of people wrote off for a lot of years and, uh, and now uh, finds himself consistent riding hard and uh, maybe not having the same pace as the guys ahead of him. But uh, honestly, for a guy who has limited time on this rendition of a factory Yamaha, uh, pretty impressive for a guy who uh, maybe uh, like this time last year was not thought of as a contender anymore. Exactly. You know, uh, we saw a little bit of flashes of brilliance in Barsha and Supercross where he was, you know, kind of getting maybe like a heat race, uh, what top three or even winning it sometimes top twos. Um, it was it was really cool to see him kind of gel with that Yamaha again. You know, if you think back a couple of years ago, I think it was like 2014 when him and Dungey were going at it. That's the last time we've seen Barsha be 
you know, competitive. Uh, other than that, it's been, you know, less than stellar results, maybe a top five here, top ten, um, just kind of living in that top ten-ish, top nine area, but not riding like Bam Bam, you know. Uh, so this reemergence, like you said, was it's it's oh, really, really nice to see. It's more than welcomed in. Um, to see him gelling with the bike is really, really nice. That guy is absolutely, you know, blazing fast. And Sopley's his kind of track. He's, I think he actually won there uh, on the 450 when he kind of snuck up there uh, riding for Honda. And uh, the guy's got, you know, tons, tons of stamina. It seems like he's not really fading towards the end of the, of the races. Like you said, he's not, you know, up there with Eli and Marvin. Maybe the speed's just not quite there yet. But still, it's really nice to see him making those strides and uh, sticking the steps that he needs to kind of make a name for himself again and, and land those top threes. So, um It'd be nice to see what happens when he gets on a, a little bit less rough track, maybe um, like like Millville or uh, Redbud next weekend, um, and see what he can do with a good start. You know, I think it's just helping his confidence out. I think he's starting to figure the bike out along with his team and, and what he likes to ride. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm pretty curious to see if he can get a good start and uh, start to pressure uh, Tomac and Luskin and see uh, see what can happen. Absolutely, I think he's got the potential to do so. Um... Blake Baggett has proved himself to uh, maybe not have the El Chupacabra push that he had from his 250 days to go out from uh, from about fifth and just race forward and win these races, but he was able to catch Ken Rocks in both motos this last weekend. Um, not uh, maybe a weekend that uh, Blake is looking for as far as overall. You know he'd want to be on that podium and, and battling with Marv and Eli, but... Um, like uh, nothing to sneeze at, fourth best and a uh, consistent four four on the day. Given the fact that we know that he's dealing with a bit of a hand issue. Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a Baggett fan, and given the way he rode last year and the pressure that he put on Tomac, I'm um, honestly I I came into the outdoor series expecting a little bit more from him. You know, nothing is not not taking anything away from the guy. The top four is incredible at Southwood, especially that's like superhuman stuff. But um, just the the aggression we saw last year from him and the way he was able to match and, and pace out Eli and even, you know, best his time in some tracks, we kind of, in my mind, I kind of put uh, Baggett on, like a, you know, on, uh, on top of the pedestal almost. And I was really looking forward to him getting back to those ways that he had, you know, that, that he was at last year. And um, a 4-4 at Southwick, which I know is, you know, one of his better tracks, I, I, I kind of expected him to be like maybe like a, uh, you know, two, three, maybe a one, three type of guy. So uh, for me, it's a little disappointing, but overall, still a great ride. Not taking anything away from the guy. Um, it'd be it'd be really nice to see him um, back up to, uh, I guess, to where he was last year. But um, hats off to him. He rode smart. He rode he rode smooth. Very few mistakes. Uh, one of the you know one of the only guys to really run some consistent lap times throughout the, throughout the entire weekend and you know which is, which is very very difficult to do at South that place is an absolute war zone at the end of the day so uh, you know you can't you can't say too much too many bad things about the way he rode um, just for me I'm I'm looking for that 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 next gear that he has that next step to where he can be back to uh, the one two guy that he was last season so I mean hopefully we can see it another couple weeks. Um, other than that, you know, still, you, you can't you can't take too many bad things about it. For sure, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, better days ahead, um, possibly. I think there's some strong races for him uh, as far as uh, races that um, kind of suit his like the tracks to suit his style a little bit, but. Uh, um, 
like one of the things, honestly, that I was surprised with is a guy that was able to lead laps earlier in the season and has kind of plateaued in the last couple of weeks is uh, Ken Roxon. Um, maybe not ascending the same way that he did earlier in the season, a little bit of a, of a, a mid-season lull from Ken, but uh, um, a consistent 5-5, five, five, um, not where he wants to be right now. Why do you think that is? Um. It's it's hard to pin it down. I mean, you know, you and I talked before we uh, we went on the air here. Is, uh, he he looks like he's almost like in pain. Like you know, it's it's weird to see him uh, to see him leading laps, like you said earlier on, and um, not taking much much pressure from Eli when he was behind him, especially at like a, a track like Grant Helen, where you know Ken looked like he was back to to old Ken Rocks and just get ready to yard everybody, um, and to see him kind of settle into that that just that top five spot given his talent level. It's, it's tough to see, and, and you brush on it, you know, it's, it, it, it could be that, you know, his arm would be the same, you know, it, he, he's been through so many surgeries and, and so much rehab and time off the bike that, you know, it, it might just take a long, long time for him to, to get back to, to where he was and learn how to ride that motorcycle, given, you know, uh, a little bit of uh, tweaking from his arm, and he might have to change his, his riding position or body position up a little bit to compensate. So, I mean, it, it could be an uphill battle for Ken just yet. But, um, yeah, it's still, still tough to see a guy like Ken Roxon um, taking, taking top fives, you know, at, at best lately. Um, we're, we're all hoping that the guy comes, comes back and can stick his nose in there with Tomac and Moosehan and, and mix it up a little bit with those guys. But, um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little tough to, to see Roxon back there. You know, still, um, same thing I'll say for Baggett, he's, he's still in the top five. He's, uh, you can't take anything away from him, especially seeing that he was he was out last year with a mangled arm. To come back and, and do that at Southwick is uh, it's pretty cool. So, you know, hats off to him on a good ride, but it's still, you know, being that he's Ken Roxon, being that he's a past winner of the series, um, it's, uh, it's it's a little bit turning to see him in the top five. I'd like to get your take on it, man, see what you think about it, and, and if we'll ever kind of see him back where he, uh, back where he was once. For sure. I, I think that... Uh... This time next year, we're going to be talking about Ken Roxon that is uh, a contender again. He's racing within that top, uh, the top three consistently and challenging for wins on a, on a regular basis. I just think that there's a huge value in uh, the preparation for a season that's completely un- uninterrupted uh, by injury. Uh, I think this is the point in the year when uh, like guys like Eli and Marv really benefit from knowing their motorcycle, being in shape, and, and not having any nagging injuries, and and uh, Ken can't say that right now. So that that's kind of three strikes you're out as far as the top three is considered. Uh, I think next year, uh, if he's able to uh, have a healthy 12 months, uh, we'll be talking about a completely different athlete. Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that. Um, you know, uh, it's like I said, it is it is really tough to uh, to kind of take some time off before the season and come out where these guys were kind of you know staying in condition, uh, getting those gate drops and. And uh, keeping the momentum going, so I can definitely see where uh, where um, he's kind of behind the eight ball in that regard. Just maybe I'm talking, you know, talking too much up and uh, and thinking of Kenny as more of a, more of a superhero than anything. But uh, yeah, uh, I can definitely see him next year uh, coming out and and making more of a name for himself and and uh, sticking it to these guys and sticking it to the top three and stuff. So um, you know, fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. You know, I'm a, I'm a Roxanne fan. So. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like I'd like to see him get maybe a maybe a, a, a top two or something like that before the season's out consistently for um, for multiple multiple races. Um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, only time will tell.
Absolutely. So before we throw it to the 450s, and uh, I actually got to uh, jump off this call for a second to uh, attend to some personal business. We'll be back with the 250s in a short bit. But uh, before I let you go, uh, quickly, uh, I'll probably call you back in like five minutes. But uh, Lorenzo LaCurcio, 7-7 for seventh overall. Awesome ride, just ahead of a returning Cooper Webb. And uh, that, to me, an amazing performance. Exactly. Uh, we haven't heard much about Lorenzo Lucrucio in a long while. I mean, we, you know, we told him about when he first went pro. We heard a lot about him as amateurs. And it's really nice to see him, make, you know, putting his name in there and really showing these guys that he's, that he's meant to be in the 450 class and he can ride with the best of them. Um, that result from a guy that we haven't heard of at a track that is probably the worst we're going to see all, all season, um, that's an awesome, awesome ride. Um, I, know that, I know him and his team are super excited. I can guarantee you that this is going to help his confidence. And, uh, you know, we can only, we can only, you know, only guess where he's going to go from here. Um, I, I don't want to put too much into it and say, you know, we're definitely going to see a lot of top fives from the guy, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. And it's great to see that, you know, somebody who we, who we don't typically, typically hear of uh, breaking in that top 10 and uh, making it happen. For sure, and doing it consistently. Two motos uh, that uh, literally, like, they basically mirrored each other as far as his performance. I really, I think that was kind of a standout ride for him. He was able to... Uh, basically break forward and, and move to the seventh place spot. Both motos, not the greatest starts, but he was able to move through and put that basically box stock Honda uh, into the top seven and, and stay there. So uh, hats off to Lorenzo. Uh, shout out to uh, a returning Justin Bogle for grabbing both hole shots. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the fitness might not have been exactly where it needed to be. And on a track like that, where like you got some local guys that are ripping, um, and it, like that of all tracks to come back to. Like I, I just like regardless of the the moto scores, hats off to a guy who knows he's in tough as far as the 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 physical demanding of the track, uh, Justin Bogle. But uh, an eighteen twenty, not what he came to get um, for twenty third overall uh, this last weekend. But I expect better things uh, and and much better performances going forward from Justin. Exactly. I mean, he picked a heck of a race to come back to. I mean, you have to pay me to come back to South Africa my first race. Yeah, you know? hey man, Big, big money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool to see that he actually got the uh, got the hole shot so much, man. He seems to have South Africa hole shot style. He got it last year and almost gave us the same little showboat display. Yes. Um, but yeah, you, you, you can definitely tell he has, he has the speed. To run up there with the with those guys, maybe like a you know a top seven, top five even. He was up there for a little bit, but um yeah, just the, the, I think the lack of uh, lack of gate drops um, and uh, the the lack of conditioning really got to him, you know. But I mean, he left healthy. He's in one piece, which is a uh, um, a step in the right direction for somebody who was you know getting knocked around pretty good throughout the 2018 season. So I, I'm I'm pretty I'm fairly certain we'll see him you know get get back up there and, and settle into a place where he should be by uh, by the year's end. Absolute. Also, honorable mention to a Cooper Webb who comes back and uh, maybe a little earlier than he uh, had really er, initially intended. He goes 8-9. I expect um, in a couple of races time, Cooper Webb challenging a guy like Ken Roxon for that top five spot. Yep, exactly. I think outdoor is really going to... Uh really going to do a lot better for him than not uh, the Supercross. Uh, you know, you hear in the pits that he's fighting this setup or fighting a sport, fighting a shock. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it's going to get figured out. And now that he's, uh, now that he's back with us, I think it's, uh, 
So I think it's only a matter of time. Um, he's he's a talented kid. He knows how to ride these tracks. He's won a championship multiple times in these tracks. So um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut him out for a couple of top fives or maybe even a sneaky podium here and there. I mean, you never know. Absolutely. Well, he is a, a 250 national champion, so you know he can ride outdoors. Yep. I'm going to uh, run exactly. to the back door to uh, to get the my truck keys from a friend who, who borrowed my truck for the day because I'm a nice guy. But when we come back from the commercial, we're going to uh, throw it to the 250 class. We'll talk about how Dylan Fernandez won his very first race outdoors on American soil this last weekend. We're right back on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entichnap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as TheCollectiveEX on Instagram, is where you can find the collective experience. Do so immediately. The collective experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. What's up, guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, B.C., May 25th for the Next Level Tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have depth-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour 
will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit NitroCircus.com. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back. Big MX Radio podcast show still talking on the line with Dave Drakes from the Collective Experience, the Collective XP on uh, Instagram, correct? The Collective EX on Instagram. EX. EX on Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, go check those guys out. Give them a follow. Follow along with uh, something that's giving back to the privateers, both 120, the two, oh, 125 and 250. Wow. Uh, 250 and 450 classes. Now we're talking 250 class, Dave. And uh, the flying Frenchman in both classes was able to get to the front of the pack. Uh, a 1-4, a little bit of a... Uh, uh, like some controversy in the the finishes there as far as uh, what happened to our first moto winner. But uh, let's talk about the guy that took the day. Dylan Ferrandez has won an outdoor national for the first time and uh, only two weeks after coming back from injury. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, Dylan rode masterfully. I mean, you know, like you said, a 4-1, you wouldn't think that would be enough to get it done. But because, you know, South Lake's one of those races where just everyone's, you know, Jostle all over the place and, and really, you know, uh, mixing it up. Um, it's 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 not not too uncommon. Um, yeah, Dylan wrote awesome. It, uh, it goes back to you know the the quote unquote crappy Frenchman. You know those guys are they have very very good technique and they really know how to um, how to make these passes and ride the tracks and make uh, make it very very efficient. Um, you know, I, I kind of expected Dylan to have a harder time keeping pace for as long as he has, but his conditioning seems to be. Um, Around par with everyone else's, the guy didn't fade, and it, like you said, it's only two races, and he's already clocked off a win. So, uh, huge congratulations to him. Um, you know, you really, really had to work for it. These guys were giving him all he could handle up until the very last turn, um, where I think we saw uh, McElrath kind of um, giving it to a little bit and uh, Alex Smart in the last turn. So, um, yeah, hats off to a guy that you know came back to one of the roughest tracks and put in his, his best result. And, um, it's nice to see uh, a blue bike kind of mix it in where the uh, where the KTM's or um, some of the Cowies have been kind of uh, shining a little bit. Absolutely, and let's not forget that uh, a blue bike currently does hold the points lead. You silly bastard! Um, <laughs> but uh, that silly bastard with the red plate, uh, Aaron uh, Plessinger, goes three seven for fifth overall. Not a day that he would really. Um, like uh, kind of highlight as a uh, I don't think there's going to be too much highlight tape from Southwick 2018 that Aaron will be using to one day secure himself a 450 ride but um, yeah he swaps out moto scores with RJ Hampshire who ends up uh, a very solid third in the second moto but before we get to those guys rounding out your podium uh, Shane McElrath who uh if if not for a pretty massive fade in the, in the first uh, first moto, probably would have been ha- had a good chance at uh, at second overall at this thing because um, at one point had a ten second lead in the first moto ends up retreating back to sixth place. I got to imagine uh, something must have spiked his heart rate uh, around the uh, the five lap five or six lap mark because uh, he went backward in a hurry. Yeah, uh, that was one of the biggest surprises for me from the weekend was how far out front he got in those first few initial races, of the, or uh, first initial last of the first moto. Um, he had a huge lead 
and he kept pulling away from some of the, you know, the guy, the sand specialists, I'll call him. Um, he's pulling away from, you know, Alex Martin, who's awesome in the sand, uh, awesome forkman, who pretty much trains in the sand year-round. Uh, he was really pulling away from these guys and uh, looked like he was going to clock off his first win without much, you know, comp- uh, controversy, much competition from the other guys. And, um, yeah, that fade was just, it was really, really bad. Uh, I don't know if it was, I almost seemed bike-related at first because, you know, it just seemed like he went backwards in a way and really dropped his pace. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was definitely very, very weird. You don't really see Shane McGrath's fade too much. He might not get the best starts, but he, he's, at the very least, consistent. Um, so it's a little surprising. But still, I mean, he's able to to come back to the Moto Rally for uh, second place and put on the podium. Uh, which he kind of he kind of needs those uh, those podium finishes and those better results lately. He hasn't been making too much of a splash in the class, and uh, from somebody who we kind of expect to be a race winner on the on the uh, regular basis and and be a little bit closer and tied for points, um, it's it's a step in the right direction, and uh, hopefully it, it 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 bleeds into some more races and and gets him uh, gets him in the right mind frame. He, he should definitely be up there doing this more often and. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can, he can maintain that for the, for the last couple of races. Two podiums in a row for Shane, uh, a guy who we talked about after the first round, so even the second round, as a guy who uh, just wasn't riding to potential, honestly. It's uh, the sixth, seventh, eighth spot. Uh, not where you'd expect to see Shane, especially outdoors, a guy who we know is fit, uh, uh, lives in Florida most of the year, spends a lot of time down there, also trains hard in California where we know they've got some heat. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. If he can match the pace of uh, teammate Alex Martin, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be blue and orange uh, for the rest of the season. Not too many uh, uh, Kawasaki guys finding their way into that top top three, uh, except for this last weekend. Austin Forkner takes your first moto victory. Uh, he ends up with... T- 26 points on the day, getting one point in the second moto, but that's because of a, uh, a mid-race collision with uh, Alex Martin, who uh, I feel like was maybe being a little bit less patient than he needed to be in that situation. Yeah, he kind of uh, forced the issue a little bit. I, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it was a dirty takeout and stuff like that, but um, I think it was just him kind of being just a little, over, little over-anxious and not really paying attention to where Fortner was going. He was carrying a lot of speed up that inside. Um, I don't. I don't think he really expected Forkner to, to kind of cut it in so much. I think he kind of expected him to take that big sweeping outside line, um, and he was kind of just looking to maybe maybe get in on this a little bit and, and kind of force him a little wider. Um, but yeah, I, I think the lines came together. Alex was not expecting him to be where he was. Uh, that coupled with some pretty gnarly acceleration and braking bumps in that section, um, and the loose soil really did not do him uh, any favors. And they just kind of came together and. Um, kind of put a, a kibosh on Austin's day, and you hate to see two guys go down like that. But uh, you know that's racing. That's what these guys are. Um, you know what they're paid to do, pretty much, is to race for these for these uh, close positions and, and win at all costs. So um, Alex, you know, luckily he was able to get up and still maintain a pretty decent position. Um, but um, yeah, it was really uh, that was that was that was a close call. It's a tough one to watch. For sure, and I honestly think that uh, if if like we we don't know now, but uh, I think that Alex Martin had a good chance at uh, at racing forward and possibly winning this moto, uh, which would have been his first overall for the season, uh, a, a track that he does well at, and moving into. Uh, like if it was Southwick, Redbud, Millville, like those are Alex Martin tracks. If you ask me, like they're wide open, they're fast, they're rough, they're hot. Um, 
those are tracks that really would would kind of set him up for some uh, some solid momentum. Obviously, he does make up some points on Aaron Plessinger to this weekend, but um, could have been uh, could have been uh, quite a few more. What's the gap from fifth? Uh, from fourth to first, if he does win that moto, that's a difference of seven points right there in the championship. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is kind of his time to shine. It was, um, like you said, Southwick, Millville, Red, but those are, those are just kind of tracks. He, he really excels in this more loose, uh, sandy type soil. And um, the rough stuff does not seem to deter him at all. He almost kind of thrives in it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of shine. He's still, he's still got some great points and valuable points in the championship. Still got a podium position, uh, second place. Um, you know, kind of redeemed himself from that fourth he got last weekend. So uh, it's it's uh, it's not a bad result, but you know, he could have he could have been a lot better. He, he could have snagged that win away from Ferrandis and um, had another you know W under his belt. But um, overall, I think he did what he could. He salvaged um, what could have been a disastrous race if he was on the ground as long as Forkner was. Um, and uh, I, I think I think we're seeing a, a, a little bit more of him the last couple of weeks. I think he's going to continue to be a podium guy. Um, I know I almost stand that they will see him in the top three next weekend. Um, so we'll we'll see what that leads him, and if he can kind of close that gap in on Plessinger and, um, and and tighten things up and make this class a little bit more wide open for the guys. For sure, absolutely. I think that this uh, we're, we're we're in for some solid racing, as we always are in the 250 class. Usually, uh, the kids that got uh, a little bit less to lose and a little bit uh, um, a little bit less patience and uh, just kind of go for the gusto sort of attitude uh, produce some good racing for us throughout the summer. Uh, I'm ex- I'm excited to see uh, what happens in uh, tracks like uh, Red Button and Millville. Those are some tracks that I think a lot of guys go really fast there. Uh, not neither track is very start dependent, um, so uh, guys can go really go heads up. And uh, I think that we're in for uh, some some pretty pretty exciting finishes. Exactly, exactly. I mean, these tracks are a little on the wider side of some areas, too, so yes. it really allows a lot of guys to kind of get in there and, and force the issue and get multiple lines of these tracks. I mean, gee, how many how many lines are there at top of some of these taller, taller uh, berm corners? I mean, uh, there was, you know, five, six, seven at some time, so it, it really makes for a lot of options for these guys to go through and, and find unique ways to make passes, and, and it just it makes it better for us as fans, so... Um, yeah, I, I think these next few rounds are, are going to be very exciting. I think we're going to see uh, we're going to see more guys putting their wheel in and, and, and making a run at this thing. Plushinger's uh, not uh, on his toes. He's going to he might he might end up losing that uh, that that points lead uh, pretty soon. So uh, hopefully he, he can he can you know elevate his game while these guys will because you, you know it's coming. I mean you know Alex is going to ride this wave. You know Ferrandis is going to have a ton of confidence. You know he's going to start feeling good. Um, and he's he's not afraid of these guys. You know even though he's got limited limited amount of time on these tracks and pretty the rest of the guys. He's, uh, he's, he's a threat. He's a huge threat. So um, I'm excited, man. Next week should be, uh, should be a really, really good one. Fair enough. So uh, also, I'd also like to mention uh, uh, Colt Nichols. It's not too often that uh, you go eight, eight for sixth overall. Uh, often if you're, uh, if you, if you mirror more moto scores, you're actually often looking at a, a, a like a overall, uh, even like maybe worse than the, those moto scores actually reflect. But uh, uh, due to the um, some 
not so great finishes from guys like Chase Sexton and uh, Mitchell Harrison in their other motos. Eight eight is good enough for sixth. That's pretty solid, and uh, he leapfrogs um, Austin Forkner as well. Uh, coming off of injury, two weekends now. I think we're going to have Colt uh, Colt on the show uh, later on this week. But uh, good ride from Colt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Colt, is, is, I think he's a little underrated. I mean, he's he's a great Supercross oh, rider, yeah. but he's also very, very, very talented outdoors too. Uh, that guy can definitely ride a motorcycle. And one cool thing is that he's he's aggressive and he does not let these guys pressure him. So we saw that in Supercross. Whenever he gets out to a good start, you could have uh, you know you could have Carmichael behind the guy and he, he wouldn't falter. He's he's very very solid and he's not not one to get caught up in mental games. Uh, so it's. Um, it's it's definitely nice to see him out there. It, it, I'd like to see what he can do with the start. I, I know he's got the speed. Uh, you know he's got the stamina for it. Um, he, he showed that with a you know consistent 88 at South Lake, which like I said, consistency at South Lake is, is very difficult. And the guys that are able to maintain that, you'll, I mean, you can definitely tell. Um, with, with the good start, this guy could be another person to get up there and and, uh, and contend for the title. You know, uh, well not the title, but I mean, it's for, mix up in the title for for wins. Um, Colt is uh, def- definitely, definitely ready to start uh, making a more bigger name for himself and um, and, and and really solidify himself as a, as a as a class contender, possibly for Supercross 2019 and beyond. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do and um, and uh, hopefully he can uh, he can he can take this take this top finish and uh, move forward with it and not kind of uh, not just stay in this six five uh, seven range. For sure. Now, so uh, Aaron Plessinger now holds a 23-point advantage over Alex Martin, the next closest. And uh, and the next closest from there is actually quite a few points back, and that's Jeremy Martin. He's out of the championship. So, um, like, I, I hate to say it, but at this point, we're almost looking at a two-horse race, uh, unless uh, a Justin Cooper can rattle off some wins uh, and... and like Shane McElrath is almost like the next next guy that's almost out of it at almost uh, he's got 50, 53 points no wait si- yeah sixty three points to make up uh, right now that's a lot of points to make up over a, only I guess that's a, a six uh, that's twelve motos um, that's quite a lot of points honestly to to try and make up but it can be done it just has to be some flawless riding from Shane I think his his uh, room for error is all but done. Um, but uh, it seems to me uh, that uh, this year there's been a lot of uh, irregular and, and some some sporadic results in this class, especially from guys like Joey Savacci, especially from guys like uh, say like uh, an Alex Martin. So uh, everyone's been been making some mistakes out there. Um, it, it really is this championship coming. This championship, as it always does in the 250 class, often coming down to who makes the least mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. Um... You know, Alex Martin doesn't have to make it that many points right now, and um, it, it could all be over in a, in a flash. These guys that we saw last weekend with with Jeremy, or uh, it could be something as simple as a, a DNF from Enfield like Sabachi had. Um, things happen very, very quickly in the championship, and um, we could we could see a, a, a huge mix up in a, a matter of laps. Um, so to say that any one of these guys are totally out of the the title, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stamp that quite yet. I mean, definitely Alex. Uh, has a a better chance than um than the rest of the guys, but uh it it's definitely uh definitely still still open for for the taking right now. Um, like I said before, Aaron's gonna have to really ride uh defensively and match these guys um these guys' improvements over the few weeks that you know they're gonna have, and um he's really gonna have to 
limit the amount of guys that are, that are sneaking in the top three and, and getting momentum each weekend. He's got to kind of uh, make sure that he writes his best, writes defensive, but still has that, that good offensive uh, mindset so that he can keep getting these uh, these podiums and, uh, and make maintaining that points lead for himself. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count out people like like you said like Michael Rath or, or Cooper. Um, strong strong riders. Cooper is uh, riding a, a, a huge wave of momentum and confidence right now. The last couple of finishes he had. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't count anyone out just yet. Um, I, I I expect to see Martin kind of narrow that down and us uh, to have a quite a decent battle on our hands by the time the last few rounds uh, come up to us. There you go. And so with that, I ask you this question, and maybe this is one's a little bit difficult to ask uh, because, uh, or like to, to answer because of the, uh, like just the, these guys are all working hard, but who is, would you say is the biggest disappointment so far uh, as far as moto, moto scores and consistency in the 250 class um, so far in the, yeah, in the, in the outdoors, Joey Savacci, who uh, for 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 all intents and purposes probably should should have gone one one at Colorado. Uh, he's had crashes. He's had uh, just hasn't been in the mix, uh, and also like some DNFs in there. I think he's given away almost uh, close to a hundred points in DNF in DNFs. Uh, or is it maybe a guy like uh, a Sean Cantrell who uh, has found himself outside the top fifteen more motos than not? Um, and I say, yeah, like guys like himself, and same thing with. Uh, uh, I'm surprised that a Michael Mosman hasn't really taken the next step either. Yeah, uh, all of those guys are really, uh, are really um, kind of kind of disappointing. I'd say the biggest for me would be Isabachi, um, given that we know what kind of, what caliber of rider he is. You know that guy has won Supercross races. He's, he's held his points lead. Exactly, he's held the he's held the points lead. He's uh, he's arguably. Uh, Pro Circuit's, you know, number one guy, like team captain almost. So it's to see him, you know, 32-5 and, and just, just standing, you know, just barely to the top 15 in some of his races, that's, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty disappointing to see. Um, I, I, looking at someone like a, like a George Smith also, you know, these, some, these guys that, are, that have won races, which is, I mean, I'll say it again. You know, once when you win one of these races, you you're you're an elite rider. I mean, you're beating some of the best guys in the world. Um, that's where you should be going from such a high level of uh, finishes on the the top podium, and then going all the way back to the 13th, where we see most you know privateers being. That's that's a pretty big leap. I mean, this past weekend he got beat by McAdoo, Bailey. I mean, those are relatively new kids. You know, Bailey especially it's his first year pro. I mean. Uh, these guys should be class leaders. They should be up there fighting with Martin and, and uh, McElrath and those guys. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really disappointing. Um, I, I said it before the call a little bit. Um, even though he hasn't been back for many races, I think this is probably one of the one of the uh, worst fades for, for Jimmy Dakota's man. He's, he's super inconsistent. I'm a huge fan of Jimmy's. I grew up racing with the guy over in New England. And to see him kind of fade back like that from a second place, I mean, that's that's a disappointment as well. You know, you know he knows how to run the track. You know, he's uh, he's pretty fit. You know, he's got the equipment, and it just comes down to I guess that that mental strength and and um, getting in, in his own head, which might be the same thing for Joey. You know, Joey is more than capable, arguably in the best bike. I mean, he's got Carmichael as a trainer, one of the, the best riders in the sport ever. Um, and it's just the it, it, guys are put are putting together, and it makes you think. You know. Uh, how long before these guys, you know, start getting the uh, the 
the the boot off of these teams. You know how, how long can we see Sexton? Uh, sorry, not Sexton. Cantrell uh, jump outside the top ten or top five before he, he gets the boot. Uh, which we said it earlier in the season, but I mean it's it's starting to kind of be worrisome. You know, um, I'll, I'll hop on the train with you and, and Moseman. He's he's on a he's on a really good bike, really good team, and um, he's not making much noise. You know, he's got the equipment, he's got the talent. Um, and it's it's just all these guys are these great with this immense talent and resources around them. They're not making it happen. Um, it's only a matter of time before we start seeing these um, these factory seats open up for some other guys. For sure, and there there is talent coming along the way. Guys like uh, Lance uh, Lance Kobush and uh, uh, obviously uh, March Banks is injured right now. I believe he was riding today, so we might see him come back for Red Bud. But uh, yeah, like it is this there's athletes knocking on the door, and um, the reality is there's there's like six. Uh, factory teams, if you will, six manufacturers that field um, like racers in that. Uh, like, so if they, if either one, if those, all, all those teams, if all six teams have uh, at least three riders, somebody is getting 18th. But the reality is, is that you have to make sure that it's not you. And um, yeah, for right now, there's a couple of guys that need to get their homework done and uh, and be up there at least uh, like showing themselves at the front of the pack. Because uh, like, say for a guy like Mitchell Harrison, um, if you if you had to quiz me on Mitchell Harrison's uh, moto scores this last weekend, I probably could I probably would have asked you whether or not he raced because uh, yeah, fifteen six, you just didn't see him out there. But um, yeah, exactly. I, I guess that's exactly. also a testament to the, the 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 amount of talent you have in the 250 class uh watching it whether you're along the sidelines or uh uh watching the broadcast like you really have to pay attention to the like the where each guy is on the track because there's guys you can totally miss because uh there's just that much talent out there exactly uh you know I'll, I'll bring it back to jordan smith i mean i don't even remember seeing the guy this you know this this whole weekend it's just you know you didn't hear his name um you know he was buried in sand i mean you, you didn't see him up front making you know making any nights for himself or battling with guys um I, I, honestly i forgot about jordan until i looked at the the results list almost so yeah um and, and that can't that can't happen to a guy who's who was in contention for winning a supercross title you know that guy should um should be just as just in front of everyone's mind as a as a forkter or a pleasanter or any one of these guys. So um yeah, I'm I'm right at war with you. It's it's um it's kind of do or die time for these guys. You know, with with contracts being up for some of these guys this year, I mean you, you can't smear any 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 finishes to these guys. You can't you can't be out of the top ten. Like you can't be out of the top five for most of these factory guys. So yeah, it's it's just these these guys definitely need to wake it up and uh and um get on the podium. Absolutely, it's time to go, and uh, and with that, uh, I think it's time to wrap this thing up. There, uh, Dave, I really appreciate you making some time for us. As always, still possibly looking at some flights uh, for Redbud this weekend. If I flew in Friday, uh, it would be. Five hundred and sixty-six dollars for flights alone. So uh, we're gonna basically do some quick math on whether or not I feel like uh, I can I can afford that type of investment for this weekend. Uh, but I will for sure be in Millville. So uh, two two outdoor nationals in a row might be a big ask. But either way, still looking to head out towards that. Really cool to hear that you were able to make it out to Southwick. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's uh, either regardless of whether or not I'm in Red Bud, let's do this again in one week's time exactly yeah i'm, I'm on board i'm 100 on board so anytime you need me i'm always on the talk moto if you, if you need someone to pick it from the airport 
keep me posted, man, because you know I'm close to uh, I'm close to that area. So uh, yeah, we got you back. There you go. Well, I have to have you pick up me up in South Bend. If I do fly in, that would be the cheapest uh, route, I think, unless I flew to uh, Chicago, which I think is cheaper, but uh, as far as getting home would be a little bit more uh, dicey as far as what we do. But either way, we'll figure that's up off air. That is off air conversation. But yeah, for now, let's cut off this podcast right there. <laughs>